Hello, beautiful people. How's everyone doing? Welcome to another episode of the Duke Pod. Here we talk about real estate stories. I think we have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, basically every week since I've been doing the podcast, it does make me reflect on sometimes how I met these clients or, um, you know, the situation that we just went through on the weekend or during the week. Um, I told you about the situation last week where it just didn't work with a client that I thought was doing a lot of good work. And stuff like that happens all the time. You cannot get them all. The beauty about working in real estate is that there's plenty of fish in the sea. There is a philosophy that most uh, agents that especially do a lot of work, and it should be for everyone really, is that there are a lot of clients out there. There are a lot of business out there. You have to find a way to uh, get more clients. You have to find a way to make yourself special. One of the things I was listening to yesterday was the Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V podcast. Uh, he was talking about uh, a new technique, which I think I'm going to have to jump on a bit, is um, like making yourself like a really big online presence and being like the go-to person. He was talking about a story how this uh, one realtor, uh, I think it was somewhere in the U.S., like Maryland or something like that, uh, he, was, uh, he was doing really well. And then Gary was like, yeah, but you needed like an online presence. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And two years went by later and he, he met the guy again and he was like, yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, I'm very experienced. I know what I'm doing. Uh, but there's a lot of young agents that are really tapping into the market by doing a lot of Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, that kind of stuff. Uh, and really that's just the world, the way the world is going. It's moving ahead. Um, there are a lot of old school techniques that still work in sales and there are a lot of new ones that are constantly coming up and uh, being like a new trend or phenomenon with sales. So uh, I'm going to jump in right in the stories. Uh, there's nothing to talk about my personal life that much <laughs> at this time. Uh, everything is good in the hood. Uh, woke up with my son today. We had a good time. Uh, and I managed to, uh, we're actually potty training him. And I asked him if he had to go to the bathroom. One of the things about potty training your uh, little one, this being my first time, um, is one apparently you're not supposed to start at two and a half you're supposed to start at like 18 months to like two and a half so not at two and a half but before two and a half years old so between 18 and 24 months so we started after uh which is i think okay but like i think it would have been better before because now he's like more life of his own he'll if he doesn't want to do something he'll just say no i don't want to do it <laughs> and we definitely had some struggles with that but today uh since we were getting ready to go to school just him and i my wife was still sleeping with the little one uh it was a month and i'm like hey do you have to go to the bathroom and he's like nope and then he's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's coming it's coming and then he ran took out his own uh, pants went pee on the potty and uh and uh honestly that is literally the highlight of my day sometimes to see that happen so there's actually a little story with that that's even better which is the other day he uh, had a, he he was getting ready for a nap. We checked the monitor like an hour later, so we just leave him, you know, and then he falls asleep on his own. Uh, which is definitely the way you should train your kids to fall asleep. Um, <laughs> we noticed he was naked and uh, um, like whatever. I'm not going in to wake him up. His nap is going to be over in an hour. And and then when we did go in, uh, it was incredibly awesome to see that he pooped on his own on the potty. Um, amazing because that just doesn't happen uh, so we're, it looks like we're making a much more segue into that he's getting more 
um, you know, yes, it's coming, so I got to go sit down at the potty. And that is like, trust me, that's like the best news uh, of my day sometimes. Um, not that my day is bad or, or unexciting because uh, I got two kids. It's full of action nonstop. A lot of clients, a lot of work. But that is amazing because it is challenging. It's very challenging. Like how are you going to make a, a, a child who poops in the diaper the whole time to go to the potty? Now, uh, the only other thing is that when he pooped uh, during his nap on the potty, uh, he also sat back down on the carpet for a bit to play with some toys before he was ready for bed. So there was a huge cleanup amongst the <laughs> celebrations. <laughs> All those parents out there, please uh, tell me about your story whenever you get a chance. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, that part is unfortunate, but it's just part of uh, having kids and stuff. Like, they're going to get dirty sometimes. So one of the stories I'm going to talk to you guys is a little bit about uh, what happened on the weekend. And I had a house that uh, was struggling to sell. And uh, finally, we got an offer. Um, but one of the themes I'm going to talk about here is that it's very exciting and sometimes so random the way you meet people. Uh, and I want you guys to keep this in mind. So uh, when I first started in real estate about seven, eight years ago, um, you know, I was pretty open-minded uh, about um, how I was going to get business and I was just doing my best. But I was at a Tim Hortons lineup and the gentleman in front of me had a lot of paint on his pants. He was clearly like a, a trades worker. And I said, hey, do you do uh, renovations or painting, whatever? And, you know, it was just in line to grab a coffee. He's like, yeah, I do. Like, I'm a handyman. Like, I do this and that. I took his card because at the time I was just starting. I was just building my portfolio of like different trades and stuff like that. You know, some you know because of family and stuff. And um, this one in particular, I was like, okay. And then I found out he's Polish. So we talked a bit in Polish. And he went off on his day. I went off on my day. So that literally was like a two minute conversation. I had a client ask me to paint their house maybe like within the next month. And I remember the gentleman I met. His name was Eric. And I gave him a call and I said, hey, this client needs his job done. Are you interested? Uh, you know, I don't really know you, but if you can do a good job, then I'm happy to uh, to recommend you to other clients and so forth, right? So he got the job and uh, like a month later, he was very thankful. And a month later, he was like, he called me out of the blue and he said, you know what? I'm thinking about selling my house and buying another house that I can renovate. And so... For just that two-minute conversation in Tim Hortons, I was able to go uh, build an up rapport. We got him a, a good deal in his house, and um, and then we found him a house that he, he he lived in now for the last seven years, basically. Uh, the trick about these people is uh, they are kind of like uh, white glove service type of clients. Like they really need. They call me every day. Um, they'll need like if there's feedback from you know someone coming to their house, they need it, um, and uh, like you know by noon. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of steps you got to follow, and uh, you know this client does call you a lot. So you know it is what it is. You just got to take their call, always be happy, and also they always want a lot of money for their house. So there are moments like depending on the market that they just want way too much, and that's exactly what happened with this this house that I'm going to talk about is that uh, he called me and you know I've been staying in touch with them I don't go over every year but I think I went over two Christmases ago and uh, you know I call them once in a while maybe every six months like sometimes there's another job and I'll give it to him but he ended up 
getting pretty busy on his own, so not a big deal. But he called me in the summer and he's like, hey, I'm thinking about selling our house. So I went over there. No, I didn't really know if he was serious. I just thought maybe like, um, you know, he just wanted to talk and show me his like upgrades that he did. So what they did is they took a 2,000 square foot home and they added a 600 square foot addition over the garage. And the addition is beautiful. It basically is a fifth bedroom, a master bedroom with two walk-in closets, like a gorgeous um, seven-piece bathroom with like a 4,000 square foot jacuzzi tub and a glass shower with like three different nozzles, like a rain shower. Um, everything's Bluetooth and wireless if you want music. And there's also a balcony there. And they extended the front of the house. Um, so basically they took a house that they bought for 540000 and uh, they made it uh, just under 2,700 square feet. Now, of course, this year the market did pick up a lot. Uh, when they first, when I first went over there, uh, he's like, yeah, I want to sell it for a lot of money. And he was talking about like how he doesn't want a realtor that wants to just sell it for no reason and like just make his commission and move on. And I like to think that that's the kind of person I am. Like, uh, you know, especially with past clients. Like, um, in this situation, if I, if I, even though he wanted like a lot of money, like I was like, we're not getting this for sure. <laughs> even though that was like my thinking while he was talking, I was like, you know what? Whatever. Let's give it a shot. You never know. Like, it is literally the biggest and best house on the street, which is something you shouldn't do. Uh, you shouldn't be the biggest and best house on the street. If there's other houses already renovated like that, then sure. If it's transforming. Or you can get a, one of the smaller houses on the street and renovate it to be the biggest. Like we're talking about addition. So we're talking about $200,000 um, an addition. And that's what he did, right? So the house looked fantastic. Every other house on the street looked like old kind of brick. And his was like stucco. And he first said he wanted $1.65 million for it. Um... Now, at the time, I was like, you know what? How can I even appraise this house? Like, we're in the suburbs. It's not like some, like, super luxurious area where all the houses are renovated or there are old bungalows that are torn down and 4,000 square foot homes are being built. Like, in Oakville, it's very common. And other areas in the GTA, um, parts of Toronto, Vaughan, that kind of stuff, Newmarket. Um, but we have this completely decked out, even like kind of over the top, like every single room had like an accent wall, uh, <laughs> over the top uh, type of home. And there were some strong colors in it at parts. Um, so you can imagine, you, and you can watch the video if you want to go on YouTube at 366 Wendron Crescent, W-E-N-D-R-O-N. You can see exactly what it looks like. Uh, but it was a nice house overall, right? And when he asked me about his price, at the time, I was like, you know what? I have, I really don't even know how much the house is going to sell for because it's just over the top. And the previous house in the area sold for just under $1.2 million. You want $1.65 million for the same size house. Um, sure. Like, I'll give it a shot. Like, I'll do my best. And uh, we'll see what happens, right? So we agreed to list it for $1.7 million. Um, well, I guess one of the things I should tell people is that sometimes you have clients that um, are not the most easygoing, and that's what these clients are. So when we had like cleaners come through, they would just be following the cleaners, telling them, clean this, clean this. They actually walked out on them. I had to calm the cleaners down and then call them back and be like, hey, man, like, 
just go for a walk or listen to some music and or let them just pretend like they just can put on their headphones and do their job. Let them clean. Once they're done and you think that there's something else they can do or like they miss something, then, you know, go back, right? So, you know, we had some hiccups here and there, but we finally got it going. The video looks great. Um, and there's a, so many features that it's really too hard to, to discuss. So one of the things I actually picked up from this house is that on my website, why don't I do a landing page um, that I can write out like paragraphs about the house, like the, the full value. So that's actually a good tip. Like if you guys, because on MLS, you can only write so much. But if you put in an additional photos, a link to, let's say, something like your website uh, to a landing page, you can just have <clears throat> all the pictures, the video, and all the full description of the house, which was effective because a lot of people would be like, hey, what are the features? And I just send them a link. Uh, sure, it took me two, three extra hours to make it, write it up nice, edit it. But, I mean, we're talking about like a luxury home, right? We're talking about $1.5 million home. Um, when I guess by the price you're, you're foreshadowing where this is going to go. So uh, not a lot of people came at 1.7 and they call me, called me like within two weeks and I said, okay, let's change the price 1.6. So we did that and another two, three weeks went by and yeah, they're getting a little, you know, they love to see an offer and I keep telling them, guys, it's going to come. It's going to come. We have to wait for the, for the right buyer. Because it is an expensive home. Like you can't just, not everyone on the street's going to be like, yeah, I have 1.5 million. Let's just buy this one. Um, and even when I started doing open houses, when they allowed open houses, I did, I think, five weeks in a row of open houses. There was actually a lot of traffic because it's a busy area in Mississauga, like in the central area. But most people were not uh, able to afford that price. And one of the knocks on the house was that the layout was a little bit off. And the upstairs was, the hallway was really small. It wasn't like a big hallway. A lot of people for that same price were looking for homes that are over 3,000 square feet. So just homes that have the extra living room or a den um, and just that extra space. So we're, we're a little bit of an uphill battle considering that we're in the same price of homes that are already renovated and just bigger. Um, but it is what it is. Finally, we agreed on 1.5 million. So we relisted it. We started getting a lot more showings and things slowed down. Um, now, I try not to push the clients. One of the things I was thinking about is like um, at this point, once it got to 1.5, one of the things I always thought about that you guys should consider is if you think your house is just not selling, it's overpriced, well, you got you to gotta just take some listings that are active and go and show your sellers um, these listings that are like very similar, but they're just way cheaper, right? And so I actually did that with them. Uh, I went with them and the whole time I showed them a house that was the same size and it was nicely renovated um, Ended up selling for not much less than what this house may end up selling for um, They ended up listing it for a lot cheaper and they got a bunch of offers uh, And it was just the next street over and the house was really nicely done. It had a separate entrance um, when The client and I who was a contractor walked through the other house that we're comparing it to he was complaining about this that the other but then when we went back to his house right after that, he was like, hmm, yeah, I guess that house is more open. Yeah, I guess it feels bigger, you know? Like, he, like it really made him start thinking, even though he was like, no, this house is a cheap material. Like, look at my house, right? So at that point, he was like, yeah, maybe it is a bit too much price. So we agreed to list it for $1.45 million. Now, that other house ended up selling for $1.375 
you know, with a worse exterior, like all brick, but inside, I would say pretty good, like overall the type of house that people are looking for, um, for that kind of money and that location and that kind of uh, renovation. And so we listed at 1.45. Um, one of the things you got to remember that I was saying is that um, you never want to start, whenever you have a situation where like you have a listing and it's been going for a while, first thing is you can't stop doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. If you're supposed to be giving them feedback all the time, don't just stop giving feedback. Don't just feel like you're giving up. And if you're supposed to be, uh, if you're supposed to be advertising the house, just keep advertising the house. Maybe if it's like way overpriced, not going to happen. Um, one of the other things that you got to consider is that during this time that I had the house for sale for two months, which is a lot, um, and a lot of like you know talking to the client every day. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like nope, nope. You know, the client didn't like, the person that came yesterday didn't like it. And that's all I have to say um, because of this, this, and this. But, like, sometimes it was pretty cut and dry. Um, one of the most important things is that when you have a house that is, um, let's say, in a good area or it's nicely renovated or something, even if it's overpriced, other people are going to call you to see that house. So I had, like, maybe 10 other people call me at least and other people call me too, and I advertised the house, so I got a few leads off it uh, as well. But I went in and showed them the house, and if they didn't love it, and they were like, nah, you know, we need something bigger, like the typical objections, I actually was, I already looked at other homes ahead of time, like on the internet, something a little bigger in the area, and I'd be like, oh, you know what, well, if this home is uh, too small or too big, how about this one, because it's blah, blah, blah. So I've literally taken three or four uh, of those leads to directly other homes. And now potentially those might be my clients because now they're like, oh, yeah, Philippe does know exactly what we're looking for now. He took us to a home. Maybe it didn't wasn't perfect, but it's more of the size we're looking for, the area, the price. And sure, great. Um, uh, even for two of those clients end up being like, okay, come over to my house and tell me how much my house is worth. Now we're really talking. Now maybe I get another listing out of it. So obviously my goal is to sell the house, but there's gonna be other people that are gonna call you and you have a chance to convert those leads. So even if it didn't sell, at least that's something. Cause if it led to other business, it would still be fine, right? Um, okay, so finally we real estate 1.45, a Vietnamese family called me, they came in, husband, wife, two kids, um, kids are 11 and eight. We had a good time, they love the house. Um, they said, let's make an offer. Now they were talking about $1.3 million. That's 150,000 less than the asking price. First tip about that guys is, um, whenever someone talks about like giving an offer super low, like the, it may not happen. Like it may go nowhere, but it's always worth putting that offer in because a, they may end up going up. And the silos may end up coming down to a, like a fair market value they may meet. Or two, sometimes what happens is you make an offer, you register the offer in the system, all the other agents looking at the home the next day or two and that looked in the home the last few days are going to see there's an offer and they may motivate their clients to be like, oh, look, this house is going to sell soon if we don't go for it. Sometimes that happens as well. And that's happened for me many times. Uh, you know, I remember a situation where I, these, this family came in that was just like out to lunch. They're like, let's buy this brand new, beautiful detached home for 
75,000 under asking, even though it's just on the market for three days. I did the offer for them and I told the sellers, hey, look, I have an offer. We had a little like a little laugh. I'm like, sorry, guys, it's not a serious offer, uh, but I registered it. And then the next day, someone's like, oh, you have an offer. My clients love the house. And they gave us 20,000 over the asking price. That's a difference of $90,000 from what the other offer is. They have no idea what the other offer is and I can't ethically tell them. So, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Thank you for your offer. It's actually pretty close. For those of you who are listening to podcasts, I wait. <laughs> but uh, we're going with your offer. So congratulations. Good job, guys. Very strong offer. And they, that's it. They were excited. They thought they got a good deal. They love the house. And they had no idea there was a $90,000 difference. They could have went $1,000 over. They would have got it, uh, even full price. So anyway, this Vietnamese family puts in uh, $300,000. Now, uh, we submit the offer, and I tell my clients, hey, you know what? Don't worry about what it's what the offer is just concentrate on what it could be so just continue going back and forth and let's see how high they're going to go and the same time because the vietnamese people are going through me um i'm finding the buyer i got found the buyer um you know i tell them hey you know what like these people love their home uh, they built the home they renovated it all there's a lot of pride in ownership and they want a lot of money for the home However, I'll try to help you guys out, keep negotiating, and we'll see what their bottom line is. Now, we did this on a Friday, and then we kind of like, when I told the sellers about the really low offer, they're like, look, unless the first number is a 1.4, like at least 1.4 million, we don't want to listen to it. We don't want to hear it. I told the, I called back the Vietnamese people and I said, hey, they don't want to look at it. They want to hear it. They need a higher offer. Are you know, are you guys interested? And he's like, yeah, let's raise the price. And um, that's when I got an idea and I said, you know what? Why don't you come to the house tomorrow and the sellers will be there and we'll negotiate the old-fashioned way. This is called a presentation. Guys, if you have a chance, I know with COVID we're emailing all our offers. But in the old days, if you have a chance to... Um, present the offer so you bring the buyers to the house maybe you're in the car or whatever because you need your own space to discuss things but you present the offer you go in the house there's another agent there's the sellers and you're on the spot you're negotiating on the spot you're very likely to get the deal done or at least you'll get very close you'll know what the bottom line is right emotions will be high the sellers don't want to sell low the buyers don't want to buy high but they want the house and the sellers they still want to sell the house and that's exactly what happened. So we even got the the main decision makers of the Vietnamese family to just stay in the, in the dining room. The sellers were upstairs and we went back and forth. Uh, the Vietnamese people started with 1.375. So they're not starting with 1.3. This At this point, I was like, okay, they want, they do are serious about the house, right? It really does depend on the buyer, if the buyer is serious about the house. And yes, the money will be a factor. Um, but... Um, we go back and forth, and uh, th at first the sellers, even though they get an offer of 1.375, which is already not bad, uh, yeah, still 70,000 under asking, but it's not bad, especially if they go through me because there's a 1% commission saving. If I find the buyer, it's a, called a collateral agreement. <coughs> Excuse me. Then um, they sign back for 3,000 less. So we have quite a bit of a difference. And I go back to the Vietnamese family and say, hey, look, they want basically almost full price minus $3,000. Now, there was a lot of emotion in their faces. They were like, oh, 
a lot of head shaking, a lot of like, what can we do? You know, like at this point, I'm just looking at them and I'm like, these guys are getting really emotional about the house. Like they like guys, if one of the things that will help you guys make the deal is getting the people emotional. Okay. It's got to be a win-win for both sides for everyone to be happy. But if they can get emotional, they will more likely to come to a price um, that we can get the deal done, right? Of course, I'm not saying like some person has to lose or something like that, especially that I represent both parties. Like I got to be ethical and fair. Um, I keep, <laughs> I'm just walking up and down from the dining room on the main level, upstairs to the master bedroom with the cellar, down, down, down. Finally, the, the buyer says he'll do 1.420, 1,400,020. Sorry, 1,420,000. And the sellers are willing to do 1.43, 1,400,030. And that is so, so, so close. Even the sellers don't want to budge. The buyers don't want to budge. And I'm like, guys, split the difference. You win, you win. You get a good price on the house. You get a good price on the house. At this point, we're not even agreed, but I bring the sellers down to the main level. And the, the seller talks about to the Vietnamese people like, hey, you know, I, I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, this shows how serious you are, which it does. Uh, you know, these are things I talked about with the clients. And, uh, you know, we're $10,000 difference apart. That's, that's really low compared to where we started up. Why don't we split the difference? And uh, they shake their hands. Um, and it's a great moment. Uh, everyone is happy. They go through the house. They talk about things they'll leave for them, whatever, whatever. Of course, the deal is still conditional based on financing inspection, so I hope it does go through, especially since I'm on the hook for both commissions. Yay! <laughs> Don't count your chickens till they hatch, guys. Do not count your chickens till they hatch. Make sure first the deal is done, so I got to do whatever I can, right? We sign all the paperwork. Now, here's where I want to leave things off on a very interesting note. Uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, the Vietnamese family left, everything's signed, great. Um, I'm going to go home because it's Saturday at like 8 p.m. at this point. Um, and uh, the, sell the uh, sellers are like, oh, holy crap, if we sell the house now, we got to buy something. All of a sudden, boom, things switch, right? And just as uh, <laughs> as uneasygoing they are when it comes to, which actually at this point, I think I understand a little bit. Um, when it comes to how they want to be treated when they sell the house, they want to boom, boom, look at homes right away. So the next day we go and look at a home that needs a lot of work so they can start renovating again. Um, they've learned from some mistakes about the, the tightness in the hallway, the layouts and stuff like that, how to renovate and get a better deal. And also the other home I showed them, which, uh, you know, remember the client was saying had cheaper material. I was like, hey, maybe you should just renovate with cheaper material and make it look really nice. And maybe your, your margins uh, for the sale will just be better and how much profit you can make. So they've learned a lot. Okay, so we get to a house. They go in the house. They say, hey, we also want to look at these two. It's kind of last minute. I say, okay, I'll stand in the hallway and I'll book the appointments. You know, I need some time. I hear a knock on the door. Boop, boop, boop. It's like another Asian lady. Just She's like, hey, can I come in? I uh, just want to look. I don't have a realtor. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Just come in. And uh, she comes in. Her husband comes in. They look around the house. They're like, hmm, we would buy this house. So <laughs> I'm in this house showing this like tall fixer-upper. The clients are, my active clients are looking around, they're like, hmm, yeah, this looks good. 
And these other Vietnamese people, or they're actually another Vietnamese people, funny enough, maybe that's the theme of September, Vietnamese. I should get some faux de beau after this. Um, they're like, yeah, we'd consider buying this house. And then I'm like, all right, guys, let's go outside for a second. So I take the, the, other, the new Vietnamese couple outside who randomly showed up at this house with no agent. And I'm not even the selling agent. I'm just the buying agent. And uh, I'm like, hey, guys, what are you looking for? They're like, yeah, we'd like to discuss about this house. And I said, okay. So I'm on appointments for one hour. Give me your number and I'll give you a call. And then he says, okay, when you're done, why don't you come to my house? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I show uh, two more homes to my clients, my Polish clients. I uh, call the guy and uh, he, he has a house, literally four houses down from where we met him that he bought and he's renovating. And uh, he's like, how much is this house going to go for? Um, now, I, I've already been looking at the homes in the area, so I can tell him exactly how much it's going for. And I said, yeah, I think it's going to sell for $1.3 million. He's like, oh, that's exactly what I want for it. He's like, all right, call me back in two weeks. We can try to sell it. And I'm like, okay. And then he was talking about a condo for sale, so I took down some information about the condo. I emailed him some inf how much it would sell for, in my opinion. Man, if this guy becomes a client, think about how full circle that would have gone. I met the Polish people at a Tim Hortons. Bought and sold them a house. Now sold them a house to another Vietnamese family that I also found. And then while showing them another house, another Vietnamese family knocks on the door, randomly comes in. We talk for like a minute. They, I don't know, they're like, ah, this guy seems professional enough, whatever. He's wearing a suit jacket, <laughs> which is getting a little cold, so I'm wearing suit jackets, which is nice because it's nice. You look nicer wearing suits than um, anything else, really. Um, then they invite me to their house. Now, I already know the prices of that house in the neighborhood, so I'm e I, without even doing any research, I already knew the value of their home. And uh, the guy's like, yep, I like your thoughts, and uh, call me back later. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So now I just randomly met another set of potential clients. Of course, they could just never pick up my phone call again, because that's how buyers are sometimes. <laughs> but something out of nothing. And if I wasn't there at that house at that time, if I never talked to that guy, I never reached out, and try to make a connection, then I would have never been part of any of this stuff. And trust me, thousands and thousands of dollars of commission are on the line. So this is how you continue to do business over the years, repeat business. And whenever you see someone that could be, uh, that looks like, you know, whenever you see someone and they're close to you, you got some downtime, just say hi. You never know where the conversation is going to lead, right? So keep those things in mind. Uh, something out of nothing, the theme today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Leave a like or comment and have yourself a wonderful week coming up.